0: Hey there and welcome to the podcast. I'm Greg Detmeyer sitting next to me. I have guest host Kelly Simon and since out the window, we have a beautiful picture of the Mississippi River. We are live in downtown Dubuque at Keystone's KPEC conference, clearly not in my little windowless, almost windowless office. The window's at my back, so it's kind of windowless in my mind. Kelly, how are you doing today?
1: I'm phenomenal, uh, especially after the last hour. We just got the... uh, outstanding opportunity to listen to Joe Beckman who says he's a youth motivator and I would argue that he needs to add adult motivator or just drop the the first term altogether motivator period he has 14 years of experience has uh, visited over a thousand schools and I would say is well on his way to being a game changer and life changer for many people including our listeners
0: and he just came off the K-Pack stage to a standing ovation. Literally, Literally. people were standing and clapping. It was pretty cool. With Joe? some
1: awesome fist pumps. Loved it. Yeah, I felt that. That was that awesome. That was awesome.
0: So, so welcome to the show, Joe. Thanks. And I know we connected a little bit a little while back, and a, we have a common interest. Didn't know we if do. you knew that. We are both fans of Chuck Norris. Yes. And I wanted to ask you something. Did you hear about the time that Chuck Norris was bitten by the venomous cobra?
2: I didn't hear about the time okay. when Chuck Norris well, was bitten by the venomous cobra, cobra.
0: 3 days later after agonizing pain, the cobra died. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's what happens when you come face yeah, to face you, with Chuck.
0: You don't mess with Chuck. You don't mess with that, no. <laughs> Awkward lead into a uh, connection <laughs> there. I have a quote. So I've heard Bill Hybels, who is a pastor of a very big church in Chicago, has written many leadership books and so forth. He is quoted as saying, in today's world, through technology, we are more connected than we've ever been. Yet I would argue we are more lonely than we've ever been, which I feel ties very well into your message. Could you just talk a little bit about where you feel like we are as a society as far as our connection, like human-to-human connection as opposed to just through the technologies?
2: Yeah, uh, I think it's a really important question, and I think that quote really nails it on the head. Um, We are more connected. I mean, we can send a message right now to Tokyo, Japan right now if I wanted to and they would get it in less than 10 seconds. Um, We can learn about different cultures and we can, you know, we have the opportunities to connect better today than we ever have in the past. And the problem with the kind of connection that we are seeing, I think it's it's less of this human face-to-face, knee-to-knee, belly-to-belly sort of connection, and it's become super virtual, which is awesome when it comes to efficiency and really bad when it comes to empathy. And so what I'm seeing in schools is these virtual sort of relationships that are happening that feel good in the moment, yet what we know is that coping skills and dealing with conflict and Uh, praising and things of that nature that you would have in any given relationship or any friendship that can't be virtualized that has to be done live and in person and you will never be able to replace what you can get from a one-on-one interaction live that you would be able to virtually you can have different forms of it but if we are constantly defaulting to these virtual sort of forms of communication. We're never gonna get the, the important practice that we need to have it on the live one-on-one stage because all of it is a practice. It's like golf, it's like football, mm-hmm. it's like anything. If you want to improve, you have to get better. One of the examples that I was really excited to hear today in the talk is I was sharing, um, well, I, I had the teachers get together and they had to uh, share some best strategies that they use to build connection in their classrooms and one teacher simply said I teach the kids to make eye contact what you don't like that's something that we I'm 37 that's something that just kind of came natural but because their eyes are so plastered on something other than human beings so often that that's actually a skill set that needs to be practiced and what an important skill set to have to be able to look at somebody in the eye and have a conversation and not feel awkward and I I was excited about that so yeah so we're just
0: and not to like bash the technologies, I feel what you were saying there is, in a sense, sometimes we've almost tried to replace replace human connection with technology. It just can't, it simply can't do that. Yeah, it can't, co. I
2: mean, you can have parts of it. It just can't be something that if we're going to be a healthy uh, society, you can see it. Oh, my gosh, like, just let's talk about Washington, D.C. right now. They're losing the human connection. Senators would say, I might not agree. 50 years ago or 30 years ago, I might not have agreed with the person on the other side of the aisle, but I would be able to have lunch with them. I would be able to sit knee to knee and connect with them. That's not happening anymore. And I think a big part of it is this lack of real, solid, one-on-one human connection where you're actually listening to somebody's story and you're learning about the person you are sitting next to. Because when we listen to people's stories, we can empathize with what they're going through. We're going to see their point of view differently than we would if we hadn't done that. And I think a big part of it is that we're missing that piece. And mm-hmm. I think it's causing a ton of problems.
1: So I know we're going to get, um, pick up with the importance of vulnerability, which has been like a, um, a life changer for me. Um, realizing the importance of it, embracing it, and then living through it. Right. So <clears throat> a story that I want to connect with right now, um, and I've shared this with with many people on a stage before, is this whole idea of thinking that you're connecting and thinking that you're there, and then um, a perspective is shown to you where you miss the boat. So it's a very simple story of sitting at one of my kids' softball games. And um, so running late for it, hard day at work, lots of stuff to do, uh, sitting there, and I'm there, I'm physically there, and I'm looking up and clapping, I think, at the appropriate times. And yet afterwards, uh, my daughter, my now 13-year-old daughter uh, says, why'd you even come? You weren't there. And I was like, well, honey, I was a few minutes late, but like, I'm, I was there the whole time. Like, I, no, mom, you weren't there. Every time I looked up at you, you were on your phone thank you like thank you You know but like those are the moments where I like you know obviously in the moment you're crumbling you're crumbling but if you don't talk about that if you don't share that if you don't say it doesn't matter what my job title is whose boss I am whose boss I'm not I'm real and I'm on this journey too and i might preach to teachers what they need to do better and say that when i was in the classroom i did it too and all of those layers peel back when we are real and vulnerable and we admit that we are all on the journey maybe at different spots of the journey but the journey is ours to be had so i just like that is a huge thing that i would love for our listeners to hear your perspective on the being really vulnerable
2: yeah um so to give some context around the talk itself, one of the strategies that I shared about how to build connection in your classrooms is to, as a teacher, as a leader, as a parent, because this applies outside of the classroom as well, is to be what we called really vulnerable, which was a play on of being real and vulnerable at the same time, but our ability to be able to break it up into two different sections um, is how we were able to work that in. And just the real part of it and the authenticity. I was sharing a story similar to what you just shared where you just, you put yourself out there and, and, and you, you made a mistake and you wish you could go back and you wish you could do things over again. And yet at the same time, if you don't take that, that story or that failure, that mistake, and if you don't learn from it, then it's a wasted opportunity. And I think that's kind of part of it, but the other part is being able to then not just learn from it yourself but then being able to share it with other people I think that's a critically important part that you can be real with our students or with our young people because I know at least when I look back and reflect on how I observed coaches and teachers and my parents I put them on this pedestal and the further they were on that pedestal or the higher they were and the lower I was the less connection we had and so as adults I think it's critically important that we remember that kids are looking up to us even the kids that might not seem to quote unquote like us all that much just like I think sometimes kids in a family, like if I were to ask my kids, do they like, do they, like want human connection, they might not be able to say yes or no on that. Yeah. But when your daughter looks at you and says, you were on your phone the entire time, why didn't, you?" what does that tell you? It tells you that she cares. It tells you that we crave mm. this. This is not something that uh, is a motivational speaker only sort of thing, this is something that we are biologically wired for. There are chemicals in our brains and in our bodies that get released when human connection happens. And without that human connection, uh, those chemicals don't get released. And I think so it's so important that we're, A, number one, we're real and we're authentic and we're um, able to share our story and take ourselves off the pedestal and then also be vulnerable enough to be reflective and go okay what can I learn from that how can I grow how can I improve um, and who do I need to share that to even if like I was saying like because the story that I share is when I was being I was in a tricky situation with my wife and I was saying things and doing things in a matter that was not in alignment with how I wanted to be living my life basically I was being a jerk and she called me out on it and she said if things don't change changes will be made and it's a hard story for me to tell because I'm in front of 800 people and I'm basically saying I was emotionally abusing my wife 11 years ago. And that's hard. It's hard for me to admit that. And yet there's not a talk, there's not a story that I have in my arsenal that people want to connect with me more about afterwards than that one.
1: Well, let's be honest. So that's the, what vulnerability does. So here's, here's in my take what vulnerability does. This went, the, this, the, the um, excuse me keynote an hour ago went from like, Joe is awesome, like this is, he's, we're having fun, he's, you know, the high-fiving, like the, the basis of the talk, like, yes, this is so great, he's just amazing, look at the cute pictures of his kids, and like, I kind of want to be him, and you know, like this whole thing, right, and then all of a sudden, it became so much deeper than that, and all of a sudden, after your story, I trusted you. Interesting. Like I literally trusted you. Yeah. And there was no longer whatever we just had, nine hundred people in that room mm-hmm. yeah. plus that there wasn't. I, I was hoping they were at the same, but it didn't matter. Because after that, I heard you, I saw you. Yeah. Where before you were a great motivational speaker. That's a huge difference. Yeah. So if we can do that, if we can do that for our family, for our colleagues. Guys, for our students who deserve the fighting chance in today's society, that is our role and responsibility, period. Not to mention
2: the modeling part of it, right? Kids learn from what they see. And so when you as a teacher, as an adult can come to the table, cut yourself off at your own knees and say, I screwed up. I messed up. I fell flat on my face. They see that. And oh my gosh, what do you think happens in their brain? They're not gonna immediately all of a sudden become vulnerable as fifth graders or seventh graders or 12th graders, but every little time that happens, there's a little drop that goes into that that bucket. And when that bucket gets filled, man, their experiences that they've had from people like you who are sharing their vulnerability is gonna allow them to be vulnerable themselves later in life because they're gonna go and they're gonna look back at the people who they looked at when they were younger for their values and for their vulnerability and a lot of their choices. So what a gift you are giving to your students when you can be honest, you can be real, and you can be vulnerable.
0: There's such an impact that can be made. So as your guys were just talking there, I thought of a story where you guys both have three kids. You have no idea what it's like. (laughs) You guys are rookies. We have five.
2: You have five kids? Yeah. On purpose?
0: Well, one was kind of a buy get one free buy one get one free <laughs> yeah we had a twin well it's not free because like Logo. you you can't throw another twin like you can't be like all right we only need one car seat so you guys are sitting on top yeah, right. of each other it's 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 you pay for two um <laughs> so we're stressed out all the time at home and there was a time not too long ago where my five-year-old kind of got in trouble and i don't know, probably peeing on something he wasn't supposed to do or something crazy like boys do and dad came down very very hard it wasn't right and later that night he was in bed not sleeping yet i went in and like fessed up like hey yeah you shouldn't have done that now we're done with that no excuses for my behavior and he saw me apologize what better lesson is there for or or role model is there for him to say all right when i screw up i need to go apologize for that i think it's the same thing with like our kids when T- kids see their teachers mess up what an example that is to all right when mrs. Simon did that she went and apologized to that person or this happened or that happened that's where stuff sticks I think yeah
2: here. 100% so. no I think it's 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 in those moments of failure when kids can see it um, I think you're, you're exactly right the ba- I could tell you we could do a whole 45-minute podcast and all the times I have screwed up in the last week with my kids <laughs> But I'm, I will say for the amount of things that I need to work on from a stress level as a parent and not reacting and not getting into the arguments with them that they bait me into, like I'm really bad at all of that, one thing I'm really good at is coming back to the table, looking them in the eyes and saying, hey, I screwed up. I messed up. I'm sorry. Sometimes I'll be in like mid consequence, right? I'll be like, you are grounded for a week. And they'll be like, you, that doesn't even make sense. And I'll go, you're mm-hmm. right. That doesn't yeah. like, what was I thinking? That's me reacting. I'm sorry. You're grounded for a day. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not like wiping it off completely, but it's being able to be self-reflective enough to ask how you can be, you know, so you can, you know, own your own lumps, your own mistakes, but then like we were talking about, being vulnerable enough to be able to admit it, to go over there and say, hey, I messed up, and dad's not perfect. What a, a, like you're saying, what a gift, what a lesson.
0: And I think we so often put teachers or kids put adults on pedestals, and I think if they don't put us on a pedestal or don't put them on the pedestal, and we're not being vulnerable, then we're gonna be seen as a hypocrite. Like, if we're talking about, oh, you have to be honest, yet we're kind of not really practicing that, and we're not on that pedestal in that kid's mind, now we're seen as a hypocrite, I really like what Mr. White said in one of your videos was like, before we can deliver content, the kids have to buy into us. Yeah. If we're seen as a hypocrite, it's not going to happen. Right.
1: So I think that's a huge thing, and I I want um, Joe to give his opinion on this, where, where we're at as a district anyway, is really <clears throat> pouring our time into our people, as in our, our teachers, because in my unresearched opinion, Mm -hmm. we have to have adults that the adults in front of our children have to be ready to step off the pedestal. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, they have to be self-fulfilled themselves. And that level of confidence has to be there and it can't come from the pedestal. So that's, that takes digging, right? And, and you had us do just even a quick dig that was the hardest thing I've done in a week, which was tell, us, tell our listeners about the activity of, I, I stand for this. Yeah,
2: so um, so many good things that you just shared right there. We could debrief on that for the entire time, but um, I think it all starts with us. It all starts, like you can't properly connect well with other people, you can't respect, you can't love other people as much as you possibly could until you love yourself first. I think that's a key part of it because people will say, what do you mean? I I love my kids, you can't tell me I don't, but you can't to the best of your ability. You're leaving something on the table if you're not looking inward and asking, what do I need to work on? Or like we're gonna talk about right now, what do I value? What is important to me? And you know, many times, kind of how you mentioned in the intro at the beginning, you're like, this is a guy that can talk to kids, but I think adults need to hear it too. Oh my gosh, do adults need to hear this message? What, what happens that you think that at age 21, you flip a switch and all the baggage that you've dealt with over the last 21 <laughs> years is gone? No, so many adults have grown up in a generation where you don't talk about your right. feelings. I don't think I heard my dad say, I love you once. Amazing dad, mm-hmm. my coach, I knew he loved me, mm-hmm. but he never said it because cool. it was not part of anything he ever right. practiced when he was younger. So it goes back to yeah. that. And so my point is, Adults need to hear this message as much as kids, if not more, because all of the extra baggage and the, you know, the scars and the things that they have dealt with when they were younger, it's not as if they just go away. And so I think it's critical that we look back, we own our story, we know our story. In fact, there's plenty of research out there that says the number one thing that we can do for our children as parents, probably as teachers as well, is to own your story. And to say it confidently even the tough parts and to forgive the people in your lives who went through that tough part with you or caused that tough part but to be able to say that was then and this is now and I think a lot of times teachers go that was then and it's kind of now and it's a little bit of now and then and they can't ever really truly make that strong connection that they want to make because they haven't totally like, got good with their story. And so this activity called I Stand For This is a really low risk, great way for people to identify what's truly important to them. And it's um, a piece of paper that has about 50 values on it. And then what I do is I have the teachers circle 20 of the values that are the most important to them. And I say, wow, what if you had 20 values that you really knew that you could get behind and they do that. And then I say, "Now take that 20 and take away eight of them. So they get it down to 12. And then I say, cut that in half. And they get it down to six. And at this point, they want to punch me in the face because it (laughs) took them a long time to get to 20. And I'm telling them to take that 20 and then whittle it down to eventually we get down to three. And those three values that they walk away with is just something that they can use as their north compass. And we gave them a little card where they can write it down and they can look at it again because life gets busy, kids there, busyness there. You know how that works. And so we forget to re, uh, remember what it is that we are you know, truly holding um, you know, valuable to us and what our values are. And so they have this card that they can take away and we try to make it nice and shiny and um, something that you would feel comfortable putting on a, a refrigerator or in your class so that kids, your kids, and other teachers and other adults in your life can go, what is that about? And you go, oh, those are my values. Honor, love, and resilience. Wow, that's what you stand for? Yeah, and it helps not only tell them, Who you are and what you stand for but again it's that reminding yourself this is who I am this is what I stand for and when those tough decisions that I have to make every single day get put in front of me I have to make a choice and the choice when you know your values is much simpler either you are getting closer to your values or you're getting further away what do you choose and you know we can go down that road and continue but at least you have the core values identified and someone might say, well, I did this three years ago or five years ago or even a year ago. Do it again yep. because you're in a different place in your life today than you were six years ago or three years ago, so your values might not be the same. 11 years ago, family wasn't one of my values. I didn't have any kids. I have three kids, now family's one of my top three values. So mm-hmm. life changes and so you're in a different spot in your life and I just think it's key that we are continuing to be self-reflective. I think self-knowledge is one of the key things that as human beings, kids, adults, that's one of those core superpowers that I think the best leaders have is that self-awareness and self-knowledge and this activity allows for some of that discovery to happen.
1: That's the depth of the activity though. Like it's a combination of everything you talked about. If you if you you know really go through the self-reflection process while you're doing it, because obviously like everybody knows and like you stated, our values are made from our life experiences. So really to like, even start with 20, and then even pinpoint just three, every one of these, for, for me, obviously, tells a story. Yep. You know, why honor? Mm-hmm. Where do I start? Yeah. You know, like, so, like, that's the cool part. This makes you start to tell your story if you haven't already. Yeah.
0: Awesome, Joe. So we so far have talked about, I would say, two of your strategies, um, being vulnerable and connecting quickly. We kind of touched base upon here and there. Could you talk a little bit
2: about communication pixie dust? Yeah, well, the name itself doesn't really do anything except I was trying to come up with something that was kind of catchy. And, it's cute. Well, I think uh, it's
1: pretty amazing. I
2: asked my 10-year-old, I was like, does this catch with you? And she said, like, oh, that sounds awesome, communication <laughs> pixie dust. So I was like, I'll go with that. And it's really just this idea that we need to be better at communicating. It's one of the key, again, superpowers that we can have Um you know as as a leader and as a teacher to be able to communicate well with our kids and it's just something that we we struggle at again it's one of those things that rarely do we practice and one of the things that we don't practice in the art of communication is the practice of listening really just stop talking and, and listening to what the people that we're leading have to say to us and so I talk about that and I say it in kind of a brash sort of way I say your job is to shut up and listen And again, as a parent who's constantly talking, 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 talking because I have all the answers and I want to make sure that they know all the things that I need to tell them and it's really important, sometimes it's just really important for me to just stop talking and just shut up and listen to what they have to say because the wisdom in the people that we are leading many times is already right there and the best way to lead is for them to experience it and be the genius instead of you the entire time.
0: And we would be amazed on how much adults talk. Especially compared to kids in a classroom, as an instructional coach, I've had the opportunity to partner with a teacher where we recorded her lesson, and I started a timer when the kids talked. She started a timer when she talked, and with, like before we did this, we're like, "Well, what do you think it's gonna be?" And she's like, "It's gonna be like 50 50 And after the first one, it was like ninety-ten. I'm sure. And it was just really a—I I blew my mind. I did the blow my mind sign, which yeah. people can't see there. It was amazing to see that reality and and once we knew that reality we were able to correct it yeah and get the get those kids talking more and letting them own their learning and and their time as a group
2: as a teacher and as a parent you're giving yourself a gift by doing that because you're just shutting up and listening let them you know just like you don't have to always have the right answers you can just step back stop talking and you can learn from them, and that's really helpful for you because that's a lot of energy, it's a lot of time. I talk myself into circles, and then I try to talk myself out of the circles, and then by the end, 15 minutes later, I'm looking at my kids going, Where did, how did we get here? If I would've just stopped, asked a single question, and then shut up and listen, we probably wouldn't have gone 15 minutes in circles of me just talking, talking, talking. So,
1: that's This has been a huge journey of mine, and I'll add to it what I needed, what I needed to add to the shut up and listen, Although I do have it on a post-it note on my computer, um, is listen to understand, not to respond. Because at first I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be quiet because I'm just going to wait my turn until it's my turn because I have something to say. And the more you talk, the more I have more to say because I have more to say to respond to you. And I'm not listening to understand at all. I'm just waiting for my turn. Yeah, that's and, it. And that's just waiting that's for your turn so you know missing the mark at first on this. And I would add that to that: shut up and listen. To understand not just to respond
2: it's a a quote that I talk to my kiddos about all the time my 10 year old I have a 10 year old a 6 year old and a 3 year old so the 10 year old really can take this one in and I it's it's from a a friend of mine whose dad who had passed away and so they're going through his old quotes and one that stuck with me is he had one that said be more interesting be more sorry excuse me be more interested than interesting
1: mic drop it's
2: great yes I think that's the
0: quote we can end on. Kelly, do you have anything else?
1: I just inspired. This is great. You guys gotta follow Joe Beckman on all of the social media sites um, and get them get them at your school. Uh, follow him at, at Joe underscore Beckman and um, just really look into it because this is stuff. This is stuff that is gonna make more difference than anything you can buy with curriculum money or any other level of commitment. You gotta get started on this journey if you haven't already.
2: Yeah, and I would say if you're listening and you're looking to bring in an outside person to come in to work with your students, A, I would love to talk to you about it, but if if, if you're not interested in working with me, I think one of the key things that I think is important to remember is to find somebody who's not gonna come in and just do a shot in the arm, one day thing, and then leave. want somebody that has some solid follow-up or pre-work that you can do or you can share with your school with your kiddos so that the momentum of the day doesn't get lost after a week and that's one of the things that we're really pushing strongly for this year is creating that online video based follow up that students can watch and teachers can use so that the message can extend beyond the one day
0: awesome awesome there you have it folks Joe Beckman Joe thank you again for joining us I will ask For listener mail, hey, if you have listener mail, if you have thoughts on things Joe just said or if you have a cool Chuck Norris fact you'd like to share with us, let us know at www.iccpodcast.com. You can check out our past shows there as well as find a bunch of links for social medias and so forth. As we leave, ask yourself, what one thing could I do tomorrow that will make me a better version of myself? Then wake up and do it because greatness isn't achieved by one event. But instead, a series of small, intentional steps.
1: Go. Be. Awesome.